selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Welcome back to Girls Next Level, everybody. We have a super exciting episode today because we actually have a producer from season one of the show here to answer some of the questions we've had for so long. I'm super excited about this. Like, I I texted you and I said, I'm giddy over this. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, don't make me nervous. I'm a little nervous, I'm not gonna lie. It's gonna be so fun. Do you wanna introduce yourself and tell the audience what your job title was and what that means for somebody who's never been in television? Yeah, uh, I'm Jennifer Colbert. I was, at the time, the senior producer for Girls Next Door. I did the first season, and what that title meant for me was, in Unscripted, there's our titles are a little more flexible than in the TV film world. But for me, it meant I was in charge of overseeing what's called field, which was you ladies. So mm-hmm. I was out with the cameras, and I was I often did the interviews, not all of them 100%, um, but I was in charge of making sure we were getting what we needed, that the cameras were capturing what we wanted, and that I was tracking the stories of what was going on so that we could make sure we asked all the right questions in interview. And how long did you work on the show? I did the first eight episodes. So the first, it was the first season at the time. There were, I think they, you guys got picked up for like six more after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. seven more. Seven more. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time it was called, it was just season one. And then you got a second, what they call cycle. So it was like a 1A or 1B. Right. So you were there during the formative years. Yeah. I mean, I like to think it was it was an interesting time because we were all, uh, you ladies and I were all in a bubble. We mm-hmm. didn't know... First seasons of shows are always fascinating because the talent has no idea what's going to come, uh, especially we had no idea it was going to be the show it became. Like, we ho- we're hopeful, and everyone is, but, you know, I, was, I think I was with you guys when you saw the billboard for the first time. Yeah. And, you know, you just never know if it's going to be a huge hit or if it's going to be something no one has ever seen. So that first, however long I was there for, three months, 
we're all in a bubble together because there's no episodes. It's mm-hmm. just we're filming. We're figuring it out. There's, there's no feedback. No yeah. feedback. <laughs> um, we're just trying to catch as catch can. You ladies are learning to trust me. I'm trying to learn to trust you and figure out what's real, what isn't. We came in with preconceived notions. I'm sure you ladies had preconceived notions of what our intentions were. And, you know, I, I tell everybody to this day that I thought I knew who you were until I met you all. And you were absolutely not what I had expected. There was, you know, you were all very aware of the difference between the worlds that you were in. Like you knew there was going to be a life outside of Hef, but you all had a your own path you were on within the relationship and within the show. And and then there were places where, you know, you were concerned about us being and what it would be and what kind of show we were creating. Yeah. I'm curious how you got hired for something like this. So Brian O'Donnell, who was the co-EP, and I had done um, my big fat obnoxious fiance together. (laughs) And so he called me and he's like, I'm on this crazy show. It's going to be about Hef and his girlfriends. It's called Girls Next Door. It's going to have comedic elements to it. It's going to be super fun for E. And he knew he needed women. And I... My favorite thing about my job is to be immersed in these worlds. This is probably going to be my only opportunity to be at the Playboy <laughs> Mansion to meet, you know, you ladies. So I was like, let's let's see behind the curtain. Yeah. So that's how it came about. So you weren't around for the pilot at all? No. Okay, because no. that had already been filmed way before. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your background before you got to the show. Like, what was your path into the industry and what kind of stuff did you work on before? Yeah, so I uh, went to school to be a broadcast journalist. I was going to be the next Katie Couric. And then (laughs) quickly realized I didn't want to be on camera, that I enjoyed it a lot more behind camera. So I was a broadcast journalism major at Ohio University, did an internship at E. And by the time I came back after graduation, you know, the supervising producers and like the middle range people that I had met as an intern were now bosses. And so I got hired in live events to work with Joan and Melissa Rivers, which was a amazing first job out of college, idiot, 21, 22 year old girl on the red carpet, working with this insanely amazing talent. And I did that for a while. Um, And then this little industry called reality TV was blowing up. And I had a friend who was like, you got to get out of you got to get out of there. You got to get out of E. Come, come do some stuff with us. So I did Married by America was my first unscripted TV show, which was a show on Fox where the audience uh, engaged two strangers, and then we followed them for five weeks. Two couples uh, made it to the end, but didn't actually get married. Um, and one of our one of them was a couple I was following the whole time. And then from there, it was just unscripted job after unscripted job. I did. Pimp My Ride, I've done uh, The Hills, I've done Girls Next Door. Those are sort of my big, honestly, those are like the three biggest shows on my, I would say on my resume, but yeah. Awesome, that's so cool. What were your, you said you came in with like preconceived ideas of like who we were or what the show was going to be and stuff. Tell us what that was. I thought you would all be dumb blondes. (laughs) I thought you'd be slutty. And I thought there would be a lot more salaciousness and sex and like, nakedness all over the mansion. You know, I thought you'd just walk in and see people have sex everywhere. (laughs) And I was very pleasantly surprised to, like, realize how intelligent you all were, that part of it was a bit of a character you would play, and part of it was, you know, knowing where you came from and 
that you all sort of had a plan for what this period of your life was going to be. It was a very interesting time because this is way before Me Too. This is a, a period where Playboy was kind of an, actually in a slump, I think, and this show and you ladies kind of brought it back into pop culture relevance mm-hmm. and gave the brand a fun, sexy, flirty reputation as opposed to, I think, what it was sort of could have gone to like a darker sort of uh, more dangerous place. But it was, we knew we wanted comedy in the show. You girls were funny. And, you know, a lot of the comedy just came from actual things that were happening that Mm -hmm. we just sort of went with, just like the day, a day in your life stuff. Mm -hmm. I was saying uh, earlier, I, it was interesting because I think that show was so before its time in some ways. And if it were, if we were to make it today, we would make it so different. I think there was so much more humor happening that, and so much more we could have played with that mm-hmm. would have made it in the vein of like a Crisley Knows Best or even a Very Cavalieri. But we were figuring it out at the time because there weren't a lot of shows out there like that. Yeah. But you were, you guys were really fun. You were, once we all kind of agreed to trust each other, it was a lot easier for me to, to do my job. Mm-hmm. But I think we all kind of came in sort of like, who are you? What are you doing here? Garden. What are your intentions? Yeah. And I know, I mean, obviously so much has come out now, but I had no idea what, what you ladies were hiding. But once sort of you let me in to some of it, it made everything easier because none of that was the intention of the show. You know, none of the darker side of Playboy was ever the intention. Mm-hmm. So whenever, once you realize, like, you could just say, Jen, you, no cameras. It was like, okay, great. Let's let's make it fun and funny and shut the door in our face or, like, give us a little giggle and wave goodbye. Like, there were ways to get out of situations. And once you, as with any, you know, first season cast, once we all understood what we could do and what we couldn't do, it was like, okay, you knew you were safe with us. We knew we were safe and we sort of went from there. Yeah. Yeah, before we started, we were really worried about it. Like, we didn't know what this meant for us like any reality tv at that time was very drama centered and so we thought oh they're gonna try and pit us against each other they're gonna try and come in they're gonna tell us they're gonna be here at nine but they're really gonna come whipping into our rooms at seven and try and catch us like still sleeping or you know (laughs) things like that you know not made up or whatever Uh not that we were made up all the time on the show because we definitely are not Mm -hmm. but um it just felt like they were going to try and catch us or, or put us in a different light than we wanted to be seen. Or that was even reality that, you know, just to make drama for the show. Yeah, there was concerns I remember about, you know, the camera's going to be everywhere, like seeing you guys naked all the time. And yes, of course, there was some nakedness, but never without, like, you knowing we were there and knowing what we were doing. And yeah, I, I just remember all of that stuff. Like the first time you guys did a shoot for Playboy. We were there. Mm -hmm. Everything, we tried to make sure everything was to your comfort level and, you know, as often as possible, bringing in female cameras, uh, operators as well, although it wasn't 100% of the time. But um, yeah, Yeah, we never had a problem being filmed being naked, but what we felt ripped off by was that, like, the distribution level, we always thought everything was going to be blurred because they're like, well, we, they can't show that on E, so it's fine if we want to streak past the cameras or whatever. But then, like, a full year later, we find out it's on the DVD that they're selling. Like, mm-hmm. everything was taken off. And international like, markets. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, still streaming today and not necessarily blurred, depending on where you watch it. And so it's all just out there, not blurred. Yeah. But as far as the filming, like, that part of it was fine. Like, people 
are always like, well, why are you complaining about it being out there if you were fine doing it? I'm like, because none of the camera people care. Like none of the staff at the mansion gave two shits. They see that every day. They're not being pervy. The camera people don't care. Like all that was fine. It was what they went and did with it after that I was like, oh, we weren't informed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were you guys told as far as like treating us any certain way? Were you told anything about us, like how we should be treated or not treated? Like if we wanted privacy for something, was that okay to like give us privacy for something? Or were you told, no, they don't get privacy, they're on a reality show? We we were never told not to give you privacy. You know, it was interesting. You guys were the girlfriends of our boss, you know, ostensibly have had first cut and final cut on this Mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. So it was this interesting situation where it's like our talent was also dating our boss. But also just as a woman, as a human being, for me as a producer, there were all there are always lines and it is important to me to gain my talent's trust mm-hmm. and to know that we are we are a team in this. And yeah. if you don't if you are not comfortable and don't feel comfortable selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit I'm not getting a good product. I'm not getting an authentic version of you. And I know there's all of this scripted and unscripted world, but at the time when we did our show, we didn't produce like that. We sat down with you ladies and looked at your calendars and we're like, here's the three months we're gonna be here. What's going on? And that's what we followed. And then even Kendra's birthday party and these things that were, you know, sort of simple, just day-to-day life of of you ladies, we were Mm -hmm. like, yeah, let's follow that. Without forcing situations upon you. You know, so for me, it's always been about trust with my talent. The better you trust me, 
the more intimate I can be with you on camera and the better you come across and the more real you are. Mm -hmm. And so privacy was always something I respected from you ladies as a woman. And like I said, I, I remember very distinctive our first Thursday night and the three of you pulling me into a room and being like, what do you, wh- how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to do this night? This is how it ends. Like a club night. Mm-hmm. What, what do we do? Like, you can't, you can't follow us. And I was right. like, no, I can't, nor do I want to. And nor is that our show. Like, but until this moment, until the cameras are waiting to go like, okay, we don't know what goes on next. Mm-hmm. We didn't, because again, we were still building trust for a season. So until you ladies pulled me in a room and I was like, okay, great. Here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to, you know, put on your PJs. You're going to walk into Hef's room and you're going to shut the door in our face. And it's going to be adorable. And that's how we're going to end the night. And I remember watching you and Kendra just like your shoulders dropped. Because you were so, and it's interesting because like, I wonder how much of that was as the evening kept going, as you guys kept thinking, how are we going to do this? When are they going to put the cameras down? And Mm -hmm. we're just like, do, 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 you know. Let's keep going. This is fun. Everyone's having a romp. But so that's for me has always been the thing was like you, my talent's always allowed to tell me no. There's, there should mm-hmm. never be, a, you know, you're the boundaries are your boundaries, not my boundaries to, to create. Yeah. Were you guys given any rules about like going to the mansion? Like not necessarily with us, but just like rules in general? There were a lot of rules. There were a lot of rules. Tell um, us <laughs> Yeah. God, it's just like I just remember parking was an issue. You always had to check yeah. in with security. Wait, where'd you guys park? By by the end, the guys let me park right at the house, but we had to park in a parking lot and be driven up because oh, parking was oh, limited. Wow. We always we always had to come in the back gate. We were not allowed like everything had to be like we had to go through Mary for a lot of it, especially at first because she was sort of the gatekeeper of it all. I'm trying to remember what some of the rules were. You know, he had obviously you guys all always had to know we were coming, and there were certain just. I'm trying to think if there's there were parts of the were there parts that were cut off from us. Sorry, it's been a minute since no, I know. the show. No <laughs> um, but I do remember there being a lot of like just funny rules. What are you talking about? It was only 18 years ago. Oh. <laughs> um, when you food were there, rules and like oh, things what, like that. What were like the food we, rules? I don't think we were allowed to at first bring food up there. I think we had to step kind of off to eat. Like there were limits to what we were allowed to do in the mansion. And again, as the show progressed, I'm sure those rules loosened up. Like I definitely had Hef's cookies, and that was supposed to be a no, no, no from the very beginning. Oh um, yeah, I feel like we should tell the the audience that too that the the film crew were not allowed to eat the food at the mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one of the listeners had that as a question, like if you guys were allowed to order whatever you wanted. And I know staff wasn't allowed to order, staff at the mansion as well, wasn't allowed to order whatever they wanted, but they did have employee lunches where like right. the chef, were you guys in on the employee lunches? Or? No, we, you know, we were eating Subway in a parking lot somewhere. Oh. Um, no, we were not. I mean, eventually once Brian and Bryant and I can't remember the chef's name, once they got to know us and mm-hmm. like, you know, I was up there six days a week often, you know, they were, Hank would, you know, show you like where the good stuff was. Like, yeah. Oh, this is the drawer with, with Hef's cookies, which to this day are still some of the best cookies <laughs> I've yeah. ever had. Yeah. And, you know, like the little treats and stuff like that. But for them, no, we would never. What about as far as like talking to guests and talking to people and like fraternization or anything like that? Any rules? Big no's. Big no's. Mm -hmm. Especially at the parties. We were to be very respectful. We were told there were certain people we were not allowed to film. Um, You know, because... Did they say who? Was it just like big celebrities or were they... It was event to event. So there were certain events where people would come and not want to be filmed. Oh, Um, interesting. So, and Hef and, you know, the brand wanted to make sure those parties stayed exclusive Mm -hmm. and elite so there were certain 
you know, don't film this person, don't film this oh, person. I didn't know that. that. That there were certain celebrities that kind of got off the hook. Yeah. yeah. And probably from Hef's personal camera, too, I would think. Well, I think we just... Or maybe they just didn't put it out. Yeah. <laughs> you, we weren't allowed to chase down releases for certain people, despite oh, there yeah. being area releases. Mm-hmm. And there were certain people who were like, were like, just, I wasn't here. So, yeah. okay, great. Yeah. But it was a... It was interesting. I, th- I thought your rules were sort of the most interesting for me because I, I remember like the curfew thing and then fascinating to me again, which is part of the show, but the first time we went out with Hef and he brought his food and the fact that he yeah. ate the same meal every day. I mean, like on Mondays it was this, on Tuesdays mm-hmm. it was this, and that when he traveled, his food traveled with him. The traveling food blows <laughs> up. I just feel like there's so much room for error, like something could go bad at some point. It's just like... <laughs> Why is that worth the trouble when you could get there and find a restaurant that accommodates or something? I don't know. So crazy. I know. And I also think, you know, you're there were two funny things that kind of stick with me. One is you're Hugh Hefner. You have, you know, access and money and all of this stuff. And you still want to want mom's pork chop every whatever it was. Monday. (laughs) You could eat at the finest restaurants in the world, new restaurants, Mm -hmm. pop up restaurants. But no, on Mondays you do that. Before you came on, did they show you the pilot and say, here's what we like about it. Here's what we don't. Or were you just given marching orders? They gave us the pilot and they definitely wanted more humor. They, okay. That was that was the thing. I don't know that dogs barking in every scene was humor, but okay. that's kind of what they. Oh my god, that's um, what they thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, which is why I was saying it could have been smarter, smarter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We felt that way at the time. <laughs> yeah, because you you ladies are funny. You were funny, Thanks. and it wasn't always that kind of humor that was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, there were there was better humor, um, and I feel like they often gave Hef the punchline too. But again, yeah, he was yeah, the boss, for sure. so. Well, Hef got the punchline or Kendra got it because they didn't like Holly and I being funny, it seemed like. Well, I feel like my type of humor just wasn't welcome. I'm more sarcastic, and I just feel like that was not welcome in that genre in Kevin's <laughs> mind at all. Yeah. We also had to, like, we had to sort of distinguish each of you yeah. as, like, who you were. That's kind of my next question. Like, what did you think of all of us? And I don't mean just, like, funny or nice or whatever, but, like, what did you, like, what were your thoughts on, like, our personalities and our characters? Well, and were you told, sorry to cut you off, but no. were you told before you came on, okay, Bridget is this one. She's pursuing an education. She's really ambitious, so that's her corner. Kendra's this one and Holly's this one. No. Oh, you weren't? No. They were, it was very surface. It was like, you two had been uh, when there were more girls. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it was down to the two of you. And then Kendra was this new, the new girl. And mm-hmm. that was sort of, but what I, what I think I saw and what we quickly discovered, which we, I think we, we talked about it before we actually, like we would come out and meet you, but before we started to film, was the dynamic of the three of you as as related to Hef. Mm-hmm. So you were the devoted girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You were the, you know, woman who always just wanted to be at her man's side the whole time. Bridget was kind of like the best friend, like the like the girl next door best friend, you know, sort of go with the flow kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kendra was like the wild card, like girlfriend. So together you kind of made the perfect woman. I I know you're all individual. Yeah. Women, <laughs> but like as a concept, that sort of. Oh, I see. It was like okay. three perfect aspects to make why he would have three girlfriends. Oh, so Kevin was thinking, if you put them all together, they make... Love that. (laughs) Um, But not individually. Yeah. Yeah. I think it made it... I think for for a man, it makes it easier to understand. I don't know. I don't know what the logic was behind that. But it made it so you each sort of had your role you played. You know, Kendra was the young wild card. You were the one who wanted to be home with half... And Bridget was sort of up for everything, but you were also the peacemaker. You were very much like, 
you know, made sure everyone was happy all the time. Um, and it gave you each a little lane to live in. Mm-hmm. It definitely did. What, were there any, um, I, I have the word in here, attitudes towards us behind the scenes, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean like, oh, that I don't like that girl or whatever. But were there any like, um, I don't know how else to put it, though. Uh, my question was, what was the attitude towards us behind the scenes? Like, were you guys, these guys are spoiled brats. These guys are. No. Kendra was difficult. She just kind of didn't care about the TV show in the beginning. It was sort of an annoyance to her. So she was hard. She was hard to interview. She was hard to just wake up in the morning. She was just hard to get to do anything. You two were easier to deal with, but because you were closer to half, it was harder as well. It was like very, we were just always on our like tiptoes around you. You were the easiest for me because you and I quickly like developed a relationship, Bridget. Yeah. But like Holly, you were hard because one, you would hide kind of in oh, his 100%. room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, I couldn't get to you without going mm-hmm. through half. Yeah. And we were sort of supposed to like, you know, let him, he didn't really want to be a part of the first season. At first, he was just mm-hmm. like, let the, this is the girl's show. Like, I'll pop in, I'll pop out. But he didn't want to be a main character. So every time he was around, we always had to be extra deferential, extra careful, extra everything. So when you would hide, it made it harder. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, Mr. Huffman, yeah. Jen, can I, can I see if Holly's in there? <laughs> um, and then, so it always, that always made it just a little difficult, more difficult. Um, and then just working around the things that were actually going on at the mansion all the time. Yeah. All the different events and everything. Mm-hmm. So then I was curious about the first three episodes because they kind of really pin us into or they try to really pin us down to what our character is or who we are. Like the first one is what we call Holly's episode or we call Holly's bitch episode. Yeah. My bitch episode. <laughs> and episode two is my bitch episode. Makes it look like I'm sabotaging all of the playmates, getting them drunk, trying to ruin their pictorials for the next day because I'm jealous of every girl that comes in here, which was so not my personality at all. Mm. And um, like, I remember being so devastated by it at the time. And then I haven't rewatched these at all since, well, we had to do commentary, which like mm-hmm. was like a year later. But then, so like in 17 years, I haven't rewatched them. And then I rewatched them for this. And I was like, so devastated all over again. I told Holly, I don't even want to do this podcast. Like, how am I supposed to answer to that? Like how I'm cut like that? How am I supposed to say that's not, I was being like super vulnerable and, and honest and how I felt about wanting to be a playmate. And I felt like it was like totally twisted and used against me. Uh, well, I was not in post. I was not in no, the editorial. No, no. And okay, um, just really set the red. I'm not blaming you. No, I know. I, yeah, I'm I not know. blaming you at all. Um, you know, it's interesting because when you go in from the field point of view, you go in with um, especially then when we had we had time and like investment in being around and like kind of seeing what was happening. You know, in, in like I said, this would be produced very differently today. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have had a very limited number of shoot days. We would have had pretty much the episodes mapped out as we went in and that's where we we wouldn't have deviated from it and I think we were a little bit more free-flowing and sort of going with what was actually going on in your lives and we weren't as heavily producing elements we were sort of like this is what is happening this is these these make the most sense for the episodes the first episode was supposed to be an introduction to the world Mm -hmm. um and you know what it meant to be at the Playboy Mansion what sort of like how we got to here and then an introduction of all three of you girls. And then when, as you're having been in posts on other shows, as you're in the footage, as you're, 
you know, sculpting these episodes and making them make sense, they must have pivoted to, all right, let's make it simple. Let's introduce each girl over the course of three episodes and then move into, you know, the other footage. I don't, again, I don't know what was going on in post. I know in the beginning, it was funny because because Hef didn't really want to be that involved. And Kevin was like, this isn't the kind of show I do. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So a lot of it was sort of Brian setting it up, sort of setting the the skeleton of what we were going to do. And I think when they saw the first cuts of the first episode, I think they realized what they had. And, you know, the best shows out there are what we call lightning in a bottle. It's the right time, the right place, and the right people. And I think we were there at just the right time for you ladies to be, to show the world, the inside. And at a time when, you know, reality TV was starting to go, again, behind the curtain, Mm -hmm. much, much more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just tried to talk to you guys about what was going on and, you know, get your background and get who you were, what it, what they, you know, what it was, what was done to it from there is sort of uh, was up to the, some people in, in a room, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes through, there's a, you know, a producer who, and an editor who work together, they come up with the episode and then they send it to their bosses and their bosses send it to E and then E sends it to, you know, Hef. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of hands on it yeah. to make it what it became. And I know they wove a lot of the pilot, too, into that first episode. Yeah, they did. They reused some footage. Yeah, <laughs> so it was sort of like a, a hodgepodge mm-hmm. of those two. <laughs> the whole show is a hodgepodge. It That's really true. Is. There's no <laughs> continuity whatsoever. It was. It's funny. I watched it, like I said, I watched it again for the first time when I knew it, when after we had talked, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to remember these episodes. 
And I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I still have some notes on these cuts. Like, I, I know. know. Like, it's so funny. Bridget's there, and then she's gone. And there's like, yeah, we time and space too. has no meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Close. yeah. Like, I, wait, I changed eight times in this episode, back and forth. Yeah, we've set up for the Midsummer Night Stream party, but you guys are still getting your outfits ready, which was like two weeks prior to yeah. it. That's what I keep saying, <laughs> so too. It, every part, every event is like that. Like, we, like, get glimpses of it at the beginning before we even are, like, there yet. Yeah. And I'm it's like, so why funny. are they giving it away before we even get there? <laughs> and Holly's like, I think we just they just want to give them a sneak peek of what they're gonna get at yeah. the end, what we're preparing for. Yeah, but I mean, we were we were on the forefront of that sort of funny follow docu series. Like we we sort of we'd never there wasn't really a lot of shows out there like this show. Yeah. Um, again, with that access, which was huge, um, showing a world we'd never seen before and doing it with a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like the first couple episodes, you guys were probably, like you said, showing up and just kind of seeing what you could get. But were you ever given any really specific marching orders from like Kevin or whoever, maybe it was Brian, would have been right underneath him? Like, you need to get this today or you need to get them to say exactly this or this is what we need for this story arc or we didn't get something for episode four. So you need to try and get them to do this. A lot of that would come up in interview. A lot of it would be like, we are missing, you know, this part to this storyline. We, you know, as you're out there, you're just, you're in your head trying to put the story pieces together, how you think if you were in the edit bay, you would cut it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, there. like I said, it, it's interesting because um, they got more involved as we got further into the episodes. I, I honestly think no one knew what to do with us or this show or you ladies at first, I think they thought it was going to be really bubblegum, really like kind of like whatever. Mm-hmm. And then after they saw the cuts of the first couple episodes, I think they saw the potential and the the star power of this series. And that's when more and more people got involved. You know, all of a sudden executives were showing up on set. People, there was just much more involvement. And I remember that's when Kevin suddenly appeared and started doing interviews. <laughs> oh God! Oh my God! I was. It was just yeah. me and Susan doing. Uh-huh all of them with you ladies and then all of a sudden he's like no I'm gonna do this interview yeah I remember that now that you say that he dropped in like partway through the first season Mm -hmm. like I I, like and I could very he didn't really give much explanation but I could very much tell it was like no I need to get in and ask these questions because not getting what I want and the interviews were always long but a Kevin interview long winded I mean bring your camping gear (laughs) he was notorious there's a story producer on this show who is still a, friend, a good friend of mine. He had a three-hour job interview with Kevin for this <gasps> show, to work on Whoa. this show. Three hours. I have a buddy who interviewed with Kevin for three hours and didn't get the job. Oh, no. <sighs> like, that man could spin a tail. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine what it must have been like to interview with him because he doesn't let anyone else talk either. <laughs> he never let anybody talk. But that was interesting for me because also you start to think, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, yeah. what am I not getting from the girls mm-hmm. that – you know, my boss has to come in and oversee it. But like I said, I think there was just all of a sudden there was all this like attention and like this is going to be a big show for us. Let's make sure we're not missing anything. I think as the show evolved too, like more people who were kind of, like you said before, Kevin was like, this isn't usually the type of show I do. And like Hef kind of thought he was too good to actually show his face on the show too much. But as the show went on and people started seeing rough cuts and seeing that it was a hit and seeing people's reaction to it, Hef wanted to be in more episodes. Kevin wanted to come do the interviews. Like people started to really want to get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I was saying we were in such a little bubble at first. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of the sweetest, 
spot for me in a show, even though it's very difficult, because again, like I said, you guys are learning to trust us. We're still trying to figure out how to capture the best version of you. But then when the rest of the world comes into the show, it's it has a whole new personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I can't imagine what it's like to see a billboard of yourself on Sunset Boulevard or it was you so know. exciting. It was <laughs> unbelievably exciting. Like, yeah, it's so crazy. You no, know, and you guys, you really did. The three of you had a really good dynamic. I mean, it was it was obvious. You know, there was a little bit of like you two were very close. You had been through so much together. You also were genuinely mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. And then you know this young girl with a very distinctive personality comes mm-hmm. in and. Three's never been a good number. Yeah. Um, my mother said that from the, my, the beginning of my days, is three uh-huh. doesn't ever work. So it's, it's hard. But I think that genuine relationship, I think, helped you guys, too, just, like, get through all of it. Yeah, I yeah, think so, for too. Sure. 100%. And then episode two, like, I'm very villainized in that episode. And I want to know, like, do you think that they did that because they thought they were new to reality TV and they thought maybe they need a villain in the show? They need somebody... I don't think we were that um, sophisticated in how we made our shows just yet. We weren't in that era of like, you know, okay, we need this this villain. We need this. Again, you were each the girlfriend of our boss. So we couldn't really make you out to be too bad because you were the series. So mm-hmm. we had to make sure you were likable. I... Th- I'm going to say something a little controversial. <laughs> there weren't a lot of women in post in the editorial side of things. Nikki Boella was our supervising producer. I don't know how much, again, I don't know how much involvement she was able to have because of the way Kevin ran things. I think there is distinctively a lack of a female voice on the editorial side of this series. I think they were creating a man's version of this show. And I think that's kind of where it, it comes from. It's like, oh, well, show her being the jealous one. Show her being, you know, this, this, and this. But it feels, it did feel, again, watching it again for the first time, it felt, all three episodes, the ones you're talking about, felt very much like we were trying to stereotype you ladies. But none of you really fit into the stereotypes you were that you were set up for. Yeah, we talk about that after that because, like, when I was telling Holly, I, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. She's like, I swear it gets easier after this. You just have to get through those first few episodes. Yeah, the show gets better down the road because we're kind of allowed to like grow into it, and our personalities come through at the end of the day. But yeah, I felt like I felt like the first couple were a little hard to watch because I feel like Kevin is coming in with a very particular agenda. Uh-huh. Well, it's funny cuz for like a through line, there was there's no there's no episode where you actually ever sabotage a girl coming to do a photo shoot. There's no there's no other than that episode, it never there's not another episode that tracks that story. Right. Um so it's it's funny like if as a like again, as a as a show mm-hmm. for story purposes, like Holly, you don't you don't try and get rid of the girls yeah. every episode, which is if you were if that's what we're setting you up to be yeah. in episode one, that's what you should have kept doing mm-hmm. every episode. Mm-hmm. And Bridget, you should have been sabotaging them as well, like yeah. on their photo shoots. And yeah. so, you, I mean, it's it's silly in hindsight. Like, that, it's to set it up that way should have been because there was going to be a payoff to it. And there's yeah. no real payoff to it. Yeah, and we talk about that too towards the end of the season about how when we'd have those meetings and everything, we talk about all the stuff we were going to do. Kevin was always looking for something that had an arc to it, either an episode arc or a whole series arc to it not just like oh I want to wash my car or something it was like that's 
you know. Yeah, we were building towards you ladies doing your first photo shoot mm-hmm. and to Midsummer's. That was those were our two big builds. It was you guys were gonna get to be mm-hmm. um, on the cover, and that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe that was the theory was that like set you up as having always wanted to be that and yeah. then have it pay off, but it doesn't track that way. Yeah. I mean, they do set it up to how much it means for me. That That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's how much it never plays out. Right. So we were curious, too, was Kendra favorited at all? In what capacity? From like a, she was incredibly difficult to deal with for a producer whose job it is, is to have her in a chair, get sound bites out of her and get her to be places on time. From that point of view, she was mm-hmm. very difficult. I think there was, she was such a wild card that often makes really good TV because you couldn't script her, you couldn't control her. Not, you were not, you two were not scripted. I didn't mean it that way. I meant just like, you just never knew what you were going to get from her. Um, yeah. And I think that's what made her, her. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was hard for me. She was the hardest one for me because she- selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. She was always up to something. She was hard to get to do even the simple, like I said, the simplest thing, like sit down in a chair and let me interview you. She, we couldn't get her out the door half the time to get yeah. to someplace on time. That's Holly's fault, though. Yeah. Yep. You know, and we were we were under the same time constraints you guys were under. We had, you know, our cameras were booked for a certain amount of time, but we also knew we had a curfew where we were out of the house. So it was, she was just difficult. I, I don't think you guys are wrong in thinking Kevin had a thing for her, like a favoritism thing for her. She was the first person I was kicked out of an interview for. She was the first one that I wasn't allowed to interview. Wait, yeah. wait, why? 
Did, I, I don't, to this day, I'll never know. I just know one day he showed up and he's like, I'm going to do the interviews today. And again, I just remember thinking, what did I do wrong? Yeah, but yeah. so weird. And then all of a sudden he was just, he was in the um, the house, the other house, the guest. The game house. Mm-hmm, the game house, doing interviews. I was like, okay. Interesting. Uh, there was not that, I don't feel like there was that much intention as far as I knew. Now, I will also say there at that at the level I was at there still sometimes can be manipulation of the producers themselves too. Or they don't feel like you need to know the whole story. Yeah. They're that, just like get this, get this, get this. And if they keep me in the bubble, yeah. then you know, I can't unintentionally reveal anything. Mm-hmm. Um and so it, it protects everything. I think there was there was probably favoritism, especially once more people started to show up on set and were. So um, I'm at on my notes. I'm kind of at Kendra's birthday, where that's her kind of personality episode. And maybe you can help us with this. We were pretty sure that we were trying to plan a different kind of party for her, a mafia party. Yes, and I think we couldn't get clearance on anything you guys wanted to do. Oh, is that what happened? Because we, we feel like she also wouldn't make up her mind what she really wanted to do. I think it was a little bit of both. I th- I believe you wanted to do like a very Scarface facing sh- mafia. And we were struggling with the clearance, like the rights to show some of that stuff. So we were trying to steer you towards a more um, an easier to produce episode. But also she was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like the day before. She's like, no, I don't want to do that. I just want a barbecue. So we're like, okay, we'll do the best we can with that. Yeah. (laughs) Because we were at the era where we wanted to do big birthdays for everyone. Yeah. Because we hadn't been able to do it in the past too much. Yeah, we wanted to take over the whole buffet, have the kitchen do a whole Italian meal, put like the red checkered tablecloth over the big table, show a mafia movie. That was probably it as part of the party was showing the mafia movie. And maybe at the time Kevin thought, that you wouldn't be seeing the whole party unless you showed that we were watching The Godfather. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think of Kendra's family? You know, it's funny. They, I don't remember them. Uh, really? Yeah. Like, I remember um, your sister, but I don't, I just, I didn't remember that episode for whatever reason. Huh. Like, I don't remember, I remember weirdly, I remember shopping with you guys for it, mm-hmm. but I don't, I didn't remember her family coming up. I thought it was, it's interesting, just... They the the way they show the way they cut the brother yeah yeah they were just he wasn't leering <laughs> not at all but it was just they were I just don't remember how it went down like I honestly I'm sorry not to have any information on that but like I just don't remember like I remember we wanted them more but after that we were like oh we're good <laughs> yeah because they were they were very like withholding and again they they just didn't give a lot Grandma was good but Grandma was funny we love the we love yeah. Mary yeah she was awesome did you guys. Uh, because the other person that we talked to that worked behind the scenes on the show kind of gave us an indication that Kendra was unhappy at the mansion and, and suggested she wanted to leave. Yeah, it was a weird story. Let me just tell it for the listeners. So he said before we left for New York, which I don't think you were on the show anymore by the time we did the New York episode, um, he was in the Great Hall, like in the living off the Great Hall in the living room. We were getting ready to leave like after the movie night. And Kendra said something to him like, you know, I don't really want to be here. It's just like, this is the best thing for me right now. And he thought, okay, okay, like, that's super random. Why are you yeah. telling me that? <laughs> she was pretty honest about her intentions. I mean, she was going to find an athlete and she was going to be with an athlete. I mean, from day one, that's... She said that? Never I mean, it's on kind camera. of obvious, yeah. Never on camera, but off camera, yeah. She was like, every time we, like, we had the fight night, and I swear... 
I, why would I? I swear it must have been the ESPYs or something. Yeah, because yeah. there's deleted scenes because she really wanted to go to the ESPYs and she went. And of course, they couldn't film it. They just filmed like her getting ready for it yeah. in the limo and stuff. And then the next year, Bridget wanted to go to the ESPYs too, and Kendra threw a fit a and made it and made her and Sarah go in like a separate limo from her. So she did at fight night pull me aside and say, "You can't show me getting so and so's number." And it was a football player because we had the was, the Patriots were there. That mm-hmm. when were the Patriots there? Because Bill Belichick's daughter was there. It was probably fight night because that's when all the athletes were there. Okay, yeah. so it was fight night, and she came over freaking out, and she was like, "You can't show what just happened." I was like, "What just happened?" Yeah, that's <laughs> there's funny. a lot going on. Yeah, uh, and I'm looking at a monitor that's like four inches by six inches, and she's like, "You can't." I just I just gave somebody my number, and I, it was one of the Patriots football players. And not like any, I mean, I wouldn't have known him unless it had been like Tom Brady probably. And even then I probably wouldn't have known him. And I was like, I'm not going to. She's like, no, you cannot show this footage. Like it cannot. And I was like, I don't even know if we captured it, which I think we had. But it was her giving one of the guys her number. I mean, that was always her end game was yeah. from day one was she wanted to be with an athlete. And this was a means to that. That's why I giggled when I watched that episode because she gets the guest list uh-huh. to find out who she, who's going to be there. But at the time... I was like, it's fine, Kendra, we're not going to show that. Like, that doesn't, again, that doesn't do us and this show any yeah. good to have you, like, trying to find a exit strategy. Yeah, I remember being, when we re- re-watched this, I was like, Hef has the final cut on this. I'm surprised he was so okay with that scene. Like, it kind of plays off on the show that she's just, like, young and excited to meet celebrities. But I think it also kind of plays off. Like, she just wants to meet the first athlete who will take her away. And I was surprised Hef left that in. And I'm like, he just must not have been focusing on that or something. I feel like how stupid do they think the audience is to not see through what this is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, she was, she didn't hide it at the time. And I wonder if it's just one of those, like, things Hef was maybe a little blind to. Because I'm sure he's had girls in the past that have been, like, a little starstruck. And maybe, like, she mm-hmm. was so young that maybe that was part of it. But it was so obvious to all of us that at the time that that was, like, the end game. She wanted to marry an athlete. You wanted to marry Half, And you wanted to have a career on television. That was kind of what it was, at least in the very, very beginning, is what we mm-hmm. thought it was. Yeah. Like I said, she was, she was trouble, not trouble. She was hard because she was always up to something. Mm-hmm. She had her own agenda, and it had nothing to do with our TV show. But I do remember that from the, from the S, not the SBs, the fight night, was having her, like, freak out on me. I was like, we, I don't even know if we captured it, which I think actually we did, but I can't, I can't remember yeah. the details. Yeah. Well, I know that there were staff, and especially security, who traveled with her, this is later on too, who had caught her cheating, and other playmates who had said things that she was cheating, and also she says it in her book. That she was cheating. Yeah, Yeah. she's been open publicly about that she wasn't, like, faithful. So, actually, you already answered my next question because it was, did you ever catch her doing any inappropriate things when you guys were filming and have to delete it? Yeah. We we didn't delete the footage when we, like like I said, I just, she came over to me and was like, did you, did you see that? Did, please don't, that can't get out. And, like I said, at the time, I was like, of course it can't, like, that'll ruin everything. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to deal with that fallout. It also wasn't like the nature of the show and it Mm -hmm. wasn't who she was supposed to be. And it was just a very complicated, I think, again, if the show had been shot now, that would have been our Sandoval episode. You know, it would have been our like, 
scandal if this had been that kind of show, but it, it just never was that kind of show. It was supposed to be sort of funny. It was supposed to be sweet and fun and funny with a little bit of like sexy. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about the curfew? Like, for example, that first time we went to Vegas where we're going for Carmela's birthday, did you guys from a production end or Kevin ever say, oh, Hef, why don't you let the girls stay the night and it got shut down? Or was the point of the episode more like, let's see how these girls have to deal with this crazy ass schedule because that's bizarre. <laughs> it was a little of both uh-huh. because it was such a weird thing. Mm-hmm. We wanted to lean into it because yeah. it, it fell under like the rules of Playboy, which is yeah. like, what does it mean to be living in this house? So it was just weird enough, you know, for us as producers, it made our life easier because we mm-hmm. didn't have to do a wild out till four in the morning night in Vegas. Yeah, But there were conversations because it was really hard to get what we really wanted, which a better episode would have been you girls having a wild night in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little push and pull. So we we went with that, but it would have it would have been interesting to have seen if we had been able to push. And then the the plane being late and all that silliness. But yeah, I think it was that at the time, because I remember thinking, we we need more time. We want yeah. to get more stuff. Mm-hmm. And because the, the stuff in the hotel room was about the first time you, you ladies really let loose with us, just like us, yeah. and you were having fun. And it was sort of a little wilder and spicier than the stuff we had been getting. So it would have been nice to see what could have happened. Mm-hmm. But again, we were playing that role of like, we were still new to Hef. We were still new yeah. to the situation. So to we had rules to follow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's like, we can't take you guys to Vegas with the show and then have the show be the reason you stayed out all night and then who knew what would happen yeah, from there. Yeah, totally. And then you had present gate to deal with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking like if we would have missed our flight because of the present, there just wouldn't have been a Vegas trip because there no. wouldn't have been time to like get there and do anything and get back. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, because we barely made it there to begin with. Tell us who Brian O'Donnell was. He was the co-EP. And he... And what, sorry, what's, oh, what's that? What does that mean? Oh, yeah, you were going to ask. Yeah, well, what does that mean? So he was, he was pretty much the showrunner. So he was hired by Kevin and the network to set everything up. So he hired all the crew. He figured out what the storylines were going to be for the series. He, you know, sort of established, like, the style and the rhythm and you know, what, you know, kind of what it was going to all be. Like he was, he was the boss for all intents and purposes. I think he was a- selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com audioboom, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. He might have been an EP on the show. You guys would have to check his, his credits. I probably should have known that. But he was like the main point for all of us as well as like he dealt with the network um, and Kevin sort of in partnership to sort of establish like what the network wanted, what the show was going to be and what how we could make 10 episodes out of the three months we spent with you ladies. Because something happens right around here where he's all of a sudden gone. Like yeah. he was with like the, I don't know where it happened exactly. We were trying to figure it out, but maybe like the first four episodes. He was five. in Vegas. So that would be five episodes, I think. No. Yeah. Four, five. On the first Vegas one? and yeah, yeah, he was on the curfew Vegas. Okay. So that, that was his last day? I think so. Oh my gosh. So he wasn't there very long at all. Mm-mm. So we feel like something happened there, but our, and I remember there being like a thing. So he, again, no one was paying attention to us on mm-hmm. this show and sort of letting us do it. And we were, like I said, we were all figuring it out. And the first cut goes to the network. And my understanding is they immediately called marketing and they're like, this is going to, we want to do a marketing campaign. We want to like, this is going to be a a flagship for us. And Kevin's ego got involved and he didn't want, they they had reached out to Brian to do some press, I think. (gasps) And he was just like, absolutely. And then all of a sudden there was a reason and he was gone. Oh, Kevin didn't want anybody else taking credit for the creative. But it was interesting. Oh my God. A lot of us almost walked because it was sort of like he had done all the hard work. He had established everything. He had set it all up and made it, you know, we we didn't deviate too far from Mm -hmm. his plan. There were a few things that I think changed here and there just because of the nature of what was going on in your actual lives. But he had sort of set up everything, and then he was gone, and he had hired all of us. So there was a little bit of a, like, what do we do? Yeah. And I remember Brian saying, like, this is going to be – we put a lot of work into this. This is going to be something. Don't walk away because we all – even without me there, it's still – like, we all did this together. So yeah. it was sort of like um, – but it was – it made it did make things much more interesting, I will say, because now there was no no buffer between us and Kevin. Yeah, I was gonna say they didn't they didn't feel that point person Mm-mm. after that. It was just like it was you guys, and then there was Kevin. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, tell the listeners who haven't worked on reality TV how unusual was the turnover that season one. I think it was pretty unusual. Now, if you want to play the the nice side, it was a very busy time in the industry, and there were a lot of opportunities and a lot of shows. Um, so schedules didn't always line up, mm-hmm. but it was not an easy job. It was not an easy place to produce for, and there was a lot of turnover. I think. Yeah. I think even those last, whatever the last pickup was, like because I didn't come back after Midsummer. I didn't. I had taken another job. I wasn't sure. They had me, I think, in the office for like three or four weeks not doing anything while we waited and waited and waited to see what he was going to do. And I got nervous because I was like, maybe it's a one and done. Like, 
who knows? And so I had a job offer, so I took it. And it was like a month later that uh, Kevin and Scott called me and they're like, we want you back. I was like, I can't, I took this other job. But there was a lot, there were, you guys had a lot of turnover for, I think a lot of, Kevin was difficult. Kevin was hard. Because I remember that season one, like I felt like I barely had a chance to like learn anybody's name who was on the crew. Because it's like the next day, it was like a whole, whole other set of people kind of. Yeah. Um, I think the series in general had a lot of turnover. Um, but that that first season definitely was hard. Again, we went through all of that. We, you know, the guy who hired us had been removed. Then there was this weird lull between mm-hmm. the what was the first series season, excuse me, yeah. and then these like pickup, these extra pickup episodes, which by the way is a sign that the show is going to do well mm-hmm. and that E is very excited about it. But at the time, it, it does make you a little nervous because mm-hmm. you're just like, I don't want to miss a job waiting for something that may not happen. Yeah, because there was a whole month in between. Yeah. I have a couple practical questions about just day-to-day working there. What was your first impression of the mansion? Did you think it was beautiful, musty, somewhere in between? Look at her face. Oh, no. It smelled like dog pee. I was so upset the first time I went up there. And when you, because I know it smelled like dog pee upstairs, but even, because maybe I just didn't know. No, even walking through the front door, it smells like dog pee. Because I feel like I just lived there so long, I didn't really, I was so accustomed. Like, I knew it smelled like dog pee upstairs where there was carpet. Archie Mm. downstairs. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it Archie, the old guy? Yes. Yeah. He had, like, and all the the staff knew his spots. Oh, no. yeah, it was it was musty and stinky. Oh God, yeah. such a shame. It was yeah. It it the the rose colored glasses came off very quickly because yeah. you pull up, you're like, this is amazing. Like you're looking at the houses around you. Uh-huh. You're like, this is a piece of history. It's such a beautiful drive to pull up there in the driveway mm-hmm. and the. You know, the exterior is so iconic and gorgeous. Yeah. And then you walk in and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Yes. And then there was, yeah. Ups. It's a little dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember what the very first thing you filmed was on your first day? I. It's so funny. When I, I went, I wanted to go back into all my, like, documents and see if I could um, even find a call sheet or just, like, mm-hmm. what, could, what could I find? And it's all somehow lost uh, because I think maybe because it's been so long. But it's funny because our friend who we were talking about earlier, who uh, shall not be named, said the same thing, that he, that they went back to look for stuff and they couldn't find anything. Wow. It's like, that's so weird. It's been wiped from our timeline. wiped. Um, yeah. No, I don't, I don't remember. If I had to guess what the first thing I filmed that wasn't pilot related was, I think it would be showing Raquel and Sarah around. That's what I was going to think, too. Yeah, I think I that thought was that might have been thing. it, too. Because that, that was where my brain went. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like it was showing the girls around. Because at the time, we thought that would be another way to introduce the world. Yeah. Is these two girls coming to audition for the first time and how they're welcomed into the space. How much were you in the field, a.k.a. at the mansion, versus like in the trailer that was on the back lot or even in Kevin's offices? Was the trailer there when you were there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time with you ladies in the house. It was, I was rarely in the trailer unless we were like in control of what was going on or it was a party where I wasn't, I was trying to not be in, involved. We would go to Kevin's once a week, I think, if we didn't call in mm-hmm. um, for like a what, what's going on this week's uh, sort of session. But yeah, for the most part, I was between the, the trailer and the, and the house. Interesting. And were you discouraged from interacting with us too much? Like, were they like, don't make friends with the girls, just kind of hang back? Or was it like, chill, have fun, or no instructions? Well, you always have to keep some distance. 
just again so that the lines between you know don't get too blurred so that it wasn't like we were discouraged from being friendly but it was just like it could be it could be looked down upon if you were fraternizing too much that makes sense yeah ruin the scenes so what was it like working for kevin kevin was one of the hardest bosses i've ever had he was incredibly mercurial and very narcissistic um, I remember this one time, I think it was like halfway through the series. So we'd lost Brian. I think it was halfway through the series name into this persona. And he got his start doing A&E biographies, which he probably was incredible about because he had such a vast knowledge of like pop culture old, and yeah. old Hollywood mm-hmm. and like these insane stories. And at one point, about halfway through the season, he went on a liquid diet and prior to that, there were always donuts and treats and craft services and all this stuff. And then the liquid diet happened, and he was angry about everything. And listen, I get hangry. Yeah, we all too. get hangry. <laughs> but he, like, took it to another level. And we were sitting in a meeting in his office. I will never forget this. And uh, Sue um, opened a banana, and he ripped it out of her <gasps> hand and, like, threw it across the room. And he was like, no bananas. Oh, my and God. And we were just like, oh, my God. Oh, he was a, no. He was, I, I will never work for a boss who goes on a liquid diet ever again. But it was, he was just. Oh, my God. He also was obsessed with the supervising producer, the female supervising producer of who did Post. She was young and British and reminded him of Haley Mills, which was one of his, I think, secret crushes. And he would oh my gosh. call her into the office and just tell her tales upon tales. And we already said that man was a talker. So uh-huh. I can only imagine how she ever got her job done. And most of the turnover is because of him. Don't you think? If I had to speculate, I would guess. Yes. Yes. He was, he was very, he was, like I said, he was very mercurial. He was very difficult. Because everybody I've talked to that's ever worked for Kevin is like, oh, Kevin. All you have to do is say his name and they're like, oh, Kevin. Well, even he knew it because I, later on we would become friends like after Girls Next Door for a while. Then we had a falling out and never spoke after that. But um, while we were friends, he was telling me, he goes, Holly, everybody in town wants to work for Kevin Burns <laughs> because when they go out because I train them really hard you know I'm really I'm really hard on my crew but I train them so when they go out to get another job and it says Kevin Burns on their resume that's why everybody wants to work for Kevin Burns it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> amazing <laughs> oh yes. man Interesting. Okay. So you got lots of jobs because you had Kevin Burns on your resume? I must have. I must have gotten a lot because of that. (laughs) Well, just know that's why you've done so well. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Do you have any sense of what Kevin was thinking about the show's future? Like, obviously, everybody's hopeful it gets picked up for more episodes. But was he thinking, oh, this is kind of a flash in the pan. This is something I'm doing for my friend. Or was he like, this could go on for 10 seasons? I, I, like I said, I think at first he was just like, just get it done. Mm-hmm. Like, just just get it done. And then when there was interest and he was seeing the result, I think he got more and more interested. I also think, you know, he, the reason the show came about was because of his relationship with Hef. Uh-huh. And I think the better the show did, the better for his relationship with Hef, which also opened a lot of doors for him True. as well. So I think it was it was an opportunity and he was very happy to have been a part of it i think he he was always very we talk about this like weird period where we were between seasons or b- waiting for the b pickup mm-hmm. and he was positive we were going to get you know 
many more episodes. In the beginning, I don't know that he was that confident about it. I think he thought it was going to be fun and cute and whatever. But I think as, like I said, as the buzz was happening, he definitely thought this was going to be, because that's what he said to me. He was like, you don't want to go. This is going to be huge. We're going to you know, travel the world, <laughs> which you guys did. Um, it's crazy that he thought we were going to travel the world. I know. Because I was so happy when we got a chance to, but I never, I would have never taken it for granted that we would be able to travel with Hef. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, it, didn't, he didn't like to do that. He, no, yeah. no, not at all. Because that was, again, part of the challenge of season one was what was he even going to let us shoot of him? Was he going to be even anywhere of it? And then what would he participate in and, and not participate in? Do you guys want to take a pizza break? Because our order's <laughs> been here for a minute. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take this pizza break to say goodbye for this week. But we talked to Jen for well over two hours. So we will be back next week with another episode full of tea and behind the scenes stories from Jen. And if you would like more content, feel free to hit us up at our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsnextlevel. And we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.